be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. Uh, this word was really laid on my heart, this passage, a few weeks ago. And uh, I attempted to, uh, we have a podcast, me and two of my friends, Jonathan and Stephen, who y'all have met, a lot of y'all have met, I believe. And uh, we, uh, they were out that week, it was just me. And I sat down to do this uh, teaching, and we had some technical difficulties, so it got cut short. But really, this is meant to be a uh, precise, shorter message, so I won't hold you too long, probably. Uh, I won't give you a time limit, because you never know what will happen, right? <clears throat> but uh, Colossians chapter 1, before I dig in, let me just say uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be here and be able to preach and share a word with you today. And and see everybody. I love y'all, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, my mom and dad are doing good up in New Jersey. I spoke with them, and things are going well. Safe travels, and because like you, like the brother said, you never know what's going to happen when traveling, you know. But we're praying for that. <clears throat> and my wife is not here with me, but we will be back, as Brother Dewey announced. And uh, you know, she's getting close to having the baby, so we're not going to be traveling apart anymore from this point on. A couple months out, right? Amen, but <clears throat> had a wedding to go to yesterday, a friend of mine, and uh, it was a good time. <clears throat> I told y'all we might have a little throat clearing, but anyways, I got a couple waters. We should be good, but I'm glad to be here, and as uh, we've already heard a couple times this morning that uh, the Lord's presence has been here, and you know, when we say that here, we mean it. Sister Angela said it, Brother Dewey said it, and they mean it. When we say it, it's not just a habitual thing that we say. You know, the Lord's here, the Lord's here. We don't say that every service, you know. We say it when we mean it. And they meant it because he is here with us this morning in our praise and our worship. And I'm going to be preaching a, a sermon tonight, which sole purpose this morning, sorry, which sole purpose is to give honor and worship to our Christ. You know, we preach a lot of sermons sometimes. We preach sermons on what we're supposed to do, on practical things, application, on just unraveling the Word of God more and more. But this morning we're going to be preaching a, a sermon that's just the sole purpose is to magnify Christ more in our hearts. When we leave here today, I want us to be able to see Jesus in a greater light for who He is. And I want us to leave with a greater reverence and a fear and a value for the Lord this morning. So I hope that we can do that. We're going to be, once again, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 20. And let's just go ahead and read this passage before we go into a word of prayer. Let's start in verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. <clears throat> and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We're going to minister a word this morning uh, entitled or titled The Preeminence of Christ. Pray with me. Lord, we come before you this morning and thank you for your sweet spirit that's already here with us as you promised would be when we gather together around your son's sacrifice and as we praise and worship you. Lord, I'd ask that we could just continue in worship for this next 40 minutes or so, however long we go today, that we would just continue in worship looking to your son and that you would move in this sermon and move in our hearts, Lord, and that you'd touch my throat and allow me to get through this without doing too much coughing and disrupting, Lord. And I ask that you'd bless traveling mercies on my mom and dad right now in the Peace family as they're doing the Lord's work up in New Jersey, Lord, planning the gospel in good, solid, honest grounds and hearts up there, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The preeminence of Christ. We're going to get to what that means here in just a few minutes. But we need, to, we need some context of, of this letter uh, to the Colossian church. Context is always good because the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, right? So we need to learn some things when we read it <clears throat> to better understand it. First of all, to go along with what I mentioned about it being a, uh, just a day of worship, really, in this sermon continuing that, this passage actually in the early church is said to have been a hymn that they would sing after they received this letter. Uh, verses 13 through 20, they, they were said to have actually sang this in church. Now, it don't sound like any song we sing today, uh, but, but it is very powerful, and it's just a, a, a hymn of worship, really, that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. He wrote this letter for a specific reason. You see, he had started this church, and one of the reasons that uh, he, had, he had wrote this letter to the Colossian churches because false teaching had crept in, just like many of the churches today. But it was a little different back then, but at the root of all false teaching, it's really just, as you've been learning here, another Jesus. And it was no exception here because men had begun to creep in this church and really deny the deity of Christ said that Jesus was indeed not God. And uh, they also begin to worship created things instead of the Creator. And that's why we're going to see Paul put such an emphasis in this passage on proving the Lordship, the deity of Christ, the Creator, the fact that He created all things. <clears throat> and in this passage, he focuses on the deity that Jesus was not just a man, but that He was indeed God. And he did this by teaching on the preeminence of Christ. <clears throat> and uh, before we go any further, I want to define that word preeminent. Because <clears throat> it's really a fancy sounding word, but it has a very simple meaning. It just means to be first, to be before something. So Christ is before all things, as we're going to learn. <clears throat> So, Paul is writing for, for many reasons because many things had crept in, but in this passage, he's trying to prove and show them that Jesus is indeed God when he walked the earth. 
So verse 13 and 14 is where we'll begin. But what's interesting, but what's obvious when we read the Word of God, before Paul could teach on the deity of Christ, he had to first bring the focus to the redemption of Christ. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does all throughout the entire Word of God? We hear it all the time, and we're beginning to travel through the Scriptures to even see it even more. But before he gets into talking about the the Lordship of Christ, he brings the focus to his redemption. That means Christ cannot be known as Lord unless he's first experienced as Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Paul, he begins this passage with the cross, and he ends it with the cross. And that's not just something we say. We're going to see that this morning, if we can ever quit coughing up here. Hallelujah. I hear a lot of coughing going around this morning. Touch us all in Jesus' name, Lord. Bring your hand of healing on everybody in this room tonight who's struggling with something, Lord, in Jesus' name. Help us to deliver your word. Hallelujah. All right, but before Paul could focus in on the deity of Christ, that word deity means the lordship, that Jesus was God and not just a man walking on earth. He had to be God to save us. He had to be man and God. So before he could deal with that, he starts with redemption. He begins with the cross and ends with the cross. He says in verse 13 and 14, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And he ends this passage with the cross in verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And all that's in between points to Calvary, as we'll see. Amen? No exception here, just like all the rest of the Word of God. It all points to Calvary. So verse 13, really verse 12, tells us that we... We give thanks to the Father. And then verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. In this verse, we see the focus of this passage shift to the Son, Christ Jesus, his dear Son. In the very next verse, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom, speaking of Christ, once again, every time the words he... Him or himself are mentioned in this passage. It's always referring to Christ. And just to show the emphasis of that, Paul would use those words 15 times in the next seven verses. That's a lot. The emphasis is on Christ indeed. In him, by him, through him, and for him are all words and phrases we're going to hear throughout this passage that all point us to Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. So verse 13 and 14 puts the emphasis on Christ and his redemption, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. This verse and the next few verses can get kind of wordy, but we're going to break them down this morning. Jesus is the who in this verse, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. 
The word image just means the likeness of God. So Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was the representative of God the Father in heaven. He was like the Father in every way. And uh, this is the same even before he walked the earth as all the appearances of God in the Old Testament were Christ. Amen. He is the chosen vessel to express the Father's image, to express the image of God to the world. <clears throat> That's why when he walked the earth, one of his disciples in John 14, verse 8, asked him, Philip said unto Christ, Lord, show us the Father and it will, it will uh, satisfy us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Then how do you say to me, show us the Father? Jesus was telling his disciples, I am who you're looking for. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus was saying, anyone who's looking for God can look no further than me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's the same for us today. But how is it the same for us today? Because the question might rise up in our hearts. We've never physically seen Jesus. So how can he be the image of God to us if we're talking about just looking at someone and seeing them? How can Jesus be the image of God to us who are living and alive some 2,000 years after he walked the earth? Well, the last half of this verse here in Colossians can explain that to us and it answers it who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. What does that mean? Well, it means that Christ was not born, he was not created, but it means that he was before all things. He, he existed before all things were created. And how does that help us understand him as the image? Well, we have to understand who he was before all things, right? Who was Jesus before all things? John 1 and one and two, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So Jesus, the image of God, he was in the beginning with God before all things, the firstborn uh, before everything first. He was with God as the Word. That's what the Bible tells us. <clears throat> the Word of God. So he, he existed before all things, the pre-existence pre of Christ and the preeminence of Christ, Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He was before all things. So we see Jesus <clears throat> today. We see Jesus as the image of God because we can see Him in the Word that we have. The Word that you have, the Word of God all points to Jesus. It is the written word that's in context of the living word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And it can only apply to us because of what he did to save us and why he became flesh. So the image of God to us today is still Jesus, but it's seeing Jesus in the scriptures. Because it was the Word. It was, he was the firstborn, the image of God, the firstborn of every creature. That means He existed before all things as the Word. So we see God through seeing Christ today in the Word. He is our image. It's no different for us today than it was His apostles that followed Him in that day. We can't physically see Jesus 
But my Bible tells me we don't live by sight. We live by faith. And how does faith come? Through the Word. So our image is a faith image. It's an image of faith. We're not looking at Jesus in a physical image of Him. We're looking at the picture that the Word, that the Scriptures paint. Amen? And when we look at the Word and see Christ in the Scriptures, what does the Bible tell us in Romans ten seventeen? Faith comes. <clears throat> the Bible also tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So He authored and finished our faith at Calvary, and He could do that all at the same time because He is preeminent before all things. You know, when Jesus stepped on earth and was born of a virgin, he really stepped out of eternity into what we know as time. We're not going to dive too much into that because I'm not smart enough to comprehend. I don't think there's ever been a human who could comprehend time and eternity. But he stepped out of eternity into time to redeem us. Amen? And he became our image, and he's still our image. Even though we can't see him physically walking, we see him in the Word. And when we see him in the Word, faith begins to rise in our hearts and we begin to see Jesus and behold the Lamb. Amen? We see Him in the Word because He is our image, and the Word is our image. And we have to see Jesus as the Word before we can understand the next verse in John. John 1 and 3. All things were made by Him. This is talking about the Word. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. This is talking about the Word. It didn't say the name of Jesus here, but we know it's talking about Him. In the beginning was the Word. <clears throat> That's verse 3 in John 1. Now let's read our next verse in Colossians. For by Him were all things created. Remember what we just read in John 1 and 3. All things were made by Him. This is talking about the Word. But here in Colossians 1, it's talking about Christ, the Son, the image of God. <clears throat> For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. <clears throat> so by Him, it tells us here, all things were created. By who? By this image, Jesus Christ, the Word. And many people really have no idea that it was their Savior, Jesus Christ, who created everything. Did you know that? Most people growing up, I include myself in this because maybe Veggie Tales or whatever taught me that God the Father created everything. But the Bible here is telling us that all things were created by the Son, Jesus Christ. But do you know that there's three members in one God? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all three were involved in creation. <clears throat> but here the emphasis is on Jesus. How many of you know that the Spirit came 2,000 years ago to emphasize Christ in our hearts? Because He is the image of God. He's a wonderful Christ, and we're about to just see just a little more how, much, how wonderful He is. Many people don't know that it was Jesus who created all things, and you might say... Well, I thought God spoke everything into existence. He did by His Word, who is Jesus, right? The image. 
So God spoke everything into existence by his word, his son Jesus. He is creator, redeemer, high priest, king. He's become all things to us. He is our emphasis, amen, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Monday night at prayer, every day, every moment of the day, Christ is the emphasis. He's not only creator, he's redeemer. Our hearts should be set on him and what he did to save us moment by moment as we're learning, amen, and we're all still learning, every single one of us, amen. And how could we not be when, when, when the word of God is so deep and teaches us beautiful things of Christ like this. And so verse we, we now know that it was the Son as the Word. God spoke His Word and created all things. So Jesus is the Word before all things. So it was by Christ that all things were created through the Word of God. He spoke it all into existence. So verse 18 here. And He... Christ is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So this calls Christ the beginning. It says he's the head of the church. He is the beginning. That word who is speaking of Christ there, who is the beginning. So Christ is the beginning, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You see where we're going today? So God not only used the, His Word to create all, all things, but that was Jesus. It pre-existent, preeminent Christ was used to create all things. He's the same one who became flesh and saved our soul. Amen. He's worthy of it all. He became flesh and saved us, but before that He created us. This very image we're talking about. And right here it calls Jesus the beginning. And we know there's several other places in the Bible where he says, I am the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega. So did you know that Jesus Christ, the one we're worshiping this morning, is found in the first scripture in the Bible? Did you know that? We're going to see that this morning. Now, we're not talking about the word Jesus or the word Christ, or the word cross. But when we say that all of the scriptures point to Christ, we're talking about all the thoughts and the themes in scripture all point to Christ as the Savior. And remember, Paul taught, you can't understand him as Lord unless you first see him as Savior and Redeemer. It's no different in every other passage of the Bible. So Christ is the beginning. God calls him the beginning here. He calls himself the beginning. He proclaims, I am the beginning. And we also know that he was the one who created all things. It was in him. It was through the word. By him, in him, through him, and for him. So Genesis 1-1, we know, reads as, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But after learning today that Christ created all things, the Son, and that Christ is the beginning... Instead of reading, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we can read, in Christ God created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who was used in creation. I don't know about you, but when I learn something new about my Savior, it just makes me exceedingly more thankful for what He did to save us. Amen? That's what it's intending to do in the Scriptures. So in the beginning... Christ is the beginning, 
in Christ God created all things. So stop right there. That's the first verse in the Bible. Right there we know that the entirety of the Scriptures are going to be about Jesus Christ. And this is how we know that Jesus is preeminent because He is the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last, and He created all things. But why is He preeminent? Let's read verse 18 again. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So Christ has the preeminence in all things, And he used that preeminence to become the firstborn from the dead. Now that word firstborn, once again, doesn't mean he was was created or that Christ had to be born again like some teach. It means that he was the first to do it. He was the first to be raised from the dead. And why? Well, verse 18, that he might become the, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. For what reason? That in all things he might have the preeminence. He is the Christ is our front runner. He's our forerunner. He went before us and we go after him by faith. He's not only our image, he's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's the first to do it because none of us could do it. Amen. None of us could pay for our sins. But because one did it, and not just some man, the one who created everything stepped out of eternity to become a man and to save us, to become the firstborn from the dead, to be the head of the body of the church. Christ is the head of the body, the one who is in the head that has the lordship over us. And this is what Paul was trying to tell the church here, the Colossian church, that you're trying to believe in a Jesus without believing Him as Lord. But what you've got to understand is the very one who came from Nazareth, the one who came from Bethlehem, the least of the least, was also preeminent in all things. God Almighty, Creator. In Him, God created everything that you see. Jesus Christ. we got to get a hold of that. Amen. He is our creator and redeemer. He is God when He walked the earth. He is God when my week is going sour. He's God when they make me mad on the job. Jesus is not just redeemer, but He's creator when I need something. Amen. He's not just God, but He's redeemer. And He's not just redeemer. He's God to me. When my throat's weak and my voice is weak and I'm trying to preach, He's God. When I'm unsure of what to do, Jesus, the one that I serve, is God. This is what it's all about. This is why we can stand here and make statements just like Paul did that I've become determined not to know anything but Christ crucified. It's not just a statement or a banner When you see something in the Word that magnifies Christ such as this, how could you not look at Him and say, that's all I want. In every day, in every sermon, in every service, I want Christ magnified, Christ crucified, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Christ has the preeminence in all things. Not just in creation, but even preeminence, meaning he was he did it first, he is first. He did he 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 was 
crucified, buried, resurrected, so that you and I here 2,000 years later, because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we could look on Him, the image, faith could come in our hearts and rise because we heard the word of Christ, the gospel, and when we believe in Him, we, we are also baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection because He did it first. He was first. He was before all things. Not Paul's trying to tell them, <clears throat> just like I'm trying to tell y'all today and myself, that He's not just first in creation. He was first in crucifixion, burial, and resurrection so that now He could have the preeminence in our lives so that everything we do, Christ could be first in our mind. There's no, I heard a preacher say this one time and I couldn't agree more. There's no uh, list that we should create of priorities in our life where Christ should be number one. He shouldn't even be close. No list should come close to Him. Amen. He is why we're here. He's why we're created. He's why we're redeemed. He's why we're gathered here worshiping today. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Christ is the head of the church because He birthed the church through His redemptive work at Calvary. And He is the firstborn from the dead, which means He was the front runner, once again, the forerunner. He died and all those who are born again died with Him and were saved from everything that kept us from His presence. And now we can enter in boldly with confidence into the throne room of God. <clears throat> not boldly with bold speech and, and pretty and, and an intellectual speech. Boldly means because there's nothing holding us back from God anymore. Amen? Praise the Lord. Christ is the head. He is supreme. That's another meaning of that word, preeminence. He's the head of the church. He's supreme over all of the crucified and resurrected church. Amen? And now we can enter into His throne room boldly because there's nothing holding us back from Him anymore. And if we just place our faith in Christ and what He did, there's access by grace through faith. <clears throat> Verse 19, For it pleased the Father, <clears throat> For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. We're talking about the same Jesus today. Verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. <clears throat> so notice how these two verses are put together. Talking about the word there, reconciliation in verse 20. And in verse 19, it says that the, the fullness of, should dwell in Christ. This is talking about, as we learn, I believe the next chapter over, <clears throat> the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ when He was saving the world. Verse 20, so keep that thought in mind that God was in Christ, the Father and the Spirit. In verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. So, why is it important to know that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ and he was reconciling the world. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.19 <clears throat> tells us that God was in Christ. That's what the Bible says here. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, 
and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Read verse 20 again in Colossians 1. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Praise the Lord. That's, that's the Father in Christ. It tells us there in 2 Corinthians 5.19, reconciling the world unto himself. How many of you know we're not the ones who pulled God down and reconciled Him to us? We had no ability. But He's the one who said, I love you and I'm in my Son Jesus. Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you eternal rest. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ. So the Father and the Son, what's the Holy Spirit's role in this? Hebrews 9, 14 through 15. How much more shall the blood of Christ... There it is again. We just can't escape the cross. (laughs) How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all at work in the cross. It's the Son laying His life down... It's, it's the Father accepting that sacrifice, and it's the Spirit who is saving and cleansing all those who would believe. <clears throat> How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, listen to this, He is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, the cross is the means. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions, listen to this, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So we know that the Lamb of God, we know that Christ died somewhere around A.D. 30, maybe A.D. 30, the year. But the Bible tells us here, And we know that He's still saving till this day. But the Bible tells us here, not only is He saving then and until this day, but because of that Lamb being slain before the foundation of the world, that preeminent Lamb, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit was redeeming the transgressions of all of them that were under the first covenant, before Christ. This is the role of the Spirit. That's why it calls Him the Eternal Spirit. Because when Christ said it is finished, you've got to know, we might not be able to comprehend, but you've got to believe it because your Bible says it, that that sacrifice was an eternal sacrifice. That the Lamb was slain before the foundation. So the Spirit could move on that redemptive work and justify all those who had ever believed. We're talking before, during that moment, and all of us later justified by grace let me just this let me just sidetrack for a minute and say this that means no man can pluck us out of the hand of god think about the work that went into your salvation so next time we mess up don't tell yourself i've lost my soul you need to realize i did mess up lord i'm sorry forgive me but my justification is still sure amen i'm not condemned in christ Christ did not step out of heaven as the Creator. The Father did not dwell in Christ reconciling us. And the Spirit did not 
redeem all those who had ever believed so that one mistake could throw us out of His redemption plan. This isn't a license to sin, but it's a declaration that you should not live in condemnation today. Amen? Creator, Redeemer, he, He's the lover of our soul, as the song says. And, and all of this, now, I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. Hear me out today. But I am telling you that you do have eternal security in Christ as long as you believe in Christ as your Savior. We know Abraham messed up, but the Bible declares in Romans 4 that he staggered not at the promise of God. We know David messed up, but the Bible declares in Psalm 51 and Romans 4 concerning David, blessed is the man who knows that his iniquities are not imputed but are washed away. If you know that today, you're blessed. And everyone who's ever been justified from the first man to the last man before that trumpet sounds are just as justified as the one who lived before them and after them. No one's more justified than the next. Amen? But it's up to us. Will we walk in that position? Will, amen, put our feet in it. Will we learn where we've been positioned and live there? Amen, by faith. <clears throat> and we do that by seeing Christ. By looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How did He finish it when everybody's not been saved yet? Because it's an eternal work, amen. The Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is what the preeminence of Christ means. I hope we've just got a little picture of it today that can show us. I believe when we see Jesus in heaven, we've still got a lot to learn up there. We're going to be learning, amen. We're going to see Him, and we'll never be on the same level of, as God, amen. And we don't want to be. We couldn't handle it. We're created beings. But when we get up there and when we see Jesus face to face, the Bible says that everything will pass away. Faith, all these things, but love will remain. That tells me right now today when we love our Christ through, through valuing what He did at Calvary, that love that we feel for Jesus right now is an eternal love. That love that we feel when we say that we know that the Lord is here with us and we're loving Him, that's the eternal love. We're experiencing something now we'll be able to experience in heaven. There it will be without bounds, no distractions, in perfect peace with our Savior. But now, do you know that you can experience something that you'll be able to experience in heaven, loving Christ? And I hope today that this sermon and this we're not quite done yet, but I hope that we're able to see Him in a greater light, which causes even more of a love. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Christ is the, people like to say, the agent in creation, the one whom through all things were created, and also the agent in redemption. Amen? Christ, by Him, for Him, through Him, and to Him, I might have mixed those words up a few times because there's so many phrases. But He is the reason that we were created. He created us. He is the reason that we're redeemed. And we're created and redeemed for Him. Because He deserves the glory. 
He deserved to see a people willingly choose to believe in Him. And He deserves much more than that. But we can believe in Him today because He is preeminent in all things and preeminent in our redemption. Amen. He's the head of the church. Once again, this, this paints a picture of the preeminence of Christ, the role of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all these things. He is not only preeminent in creation and preeminent in redemption, but today in our lives He's, he's <clears throat> desiring that all those who would call upon His name, which is all those who have been born again, He's desiring that we would let Him be preeminent in our lives. We would let Him be before everything else in our lives. And let's ask ourselves right now, sitting in this place and listening online, Let's ask ourselves, what's in the way of Christ in our lives today? Uh, you, don't, you don't have to answer me, but we, we all know if we're, if we're being honest right now, and if we ask ourselves this question, things begin to circulate. Well, I could, I could put that away so I could pursue Christ more, or I could spend less time on this and spend more time on Christ. What are the things that are taking away the preeminence of Christ in our hearts and lives? Is there anything doing that today? We can ask ourselves that question honestly and evaluate in the Word. And we know that Christ deserves to be preeminent in all things. Amen? But I'm not just going to tell you, you should make Him preeminent. We've also got to know how. Amen? And how, how do we make Christ preeminent in our lives well how did we get saved as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk you in him the moment you were born again he was first in your life preeminent in all things in all things before all others above all others above yourself supreme and it was because you looked at what he did to show you his preeminence you looked at what he did at Calvary for you to even be able to experience Him the first time at your born-again experience. And this journey we have, this walk with God, it's a continuation of us looking unto Jesus, seeing Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, the Word, the image of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of Christ. That's what Romans ten seventeen really says. If you look in the Greek, the Word of Christ, not just the Word. So when you first heard that Word, the Word of the cross, the Gospel, and faith began to rise in your heart and you believe and you experience the love of God, that's how we should continue to live. Not getting saved over and over again, but walking out this salvation by grace and faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with me this morning.